Welcome to Mytho Ladies, the podcast where we talk about women from mythology and folklore all over the world. We're your hosts. I'm Zoe. And I'm Lizzie. And how are you today, Zoe? I'm good. I am my last day of classes is tomorrow. So that's exciting. Then I have to finish up all my work and then do my finals and pack up everything and leave by the end of the week. So that's also exciting and a little stressful, but we'll get through it somehow. Nice. It will happen. It will happen somehow. It'll all work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, how are you doing, Lizzie? I'm doing well. I'm very busy because I have a job now. Yeah, fancy. But I know. It's crazy being employed, but also fun mm-hmm. and also tiring, yeah. but overall good. You're enjoying your job, though? Yeah. I mean, it's it's a job, you know? It yeah. can be boring, but overall, I'm happy to be employed. And That's I like true. my coworkers. That's so true. That is good. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't told anyone at work that I have a podcast. So I'm thinking, well, I, yeah. like, shout out to my coworkers I, if I ever tell you that I have a podcast. <laughs> hello, Lizzie's coworkers. <laughs> yeah. So before we begin, we would just like to remind you that you can support our podcast and listen to bonus episodes either by donating, donating to us on Ko-fi which is linked in the description, or by subscribing to us on Spotify subscriptions. And then you'll have access to our catalog of bonus episodes. Yeah. And you should yeah. listen to them and subscribe because they're very fun. And we would love to but have no your pressure. support. Yeah. No pressure. We are pressuring <laughs> you. It's almost, it's it's the holiday season. So consider, consider donating <laughs> and giving and being generous. Just consider it. Think about it. Yes. Thank you for considering <laughs> it. Alrighty, let's continue onward. So who are we talking about today? Well, Lizzie, so it is my unofficial birthday episode because my birthday was last Wednesday. Yes. Um, And yeah, so, and it's also our 70th episode. So I thought I wanted to do someone special for me. Um, I have a a hunch of who it is. You have a hunch? Yeah, I think you're probably right, Lizzie. So can you tell me what you know about Baba Yaga? Yeah, that doesn't shock me. (laughs) okay can you pretend to be surprised that's so shocking we i mean wow you're a horrible actor well our our group of friends actually got you a baba yaga related book that's true but i had had that planned before before i even got the book so it was just funny so (laughs) baba yaga is a folkloric figure from slavic folklore she exists Mm -hmm. across slavic uh, places in Czech, she's called the Ajibaba, for example. I don't know all the different variations, but like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she basically lives in a little hut in the woods that's on like chicken feet. And she mm-hmm. can be cruel to people, or she can be, or she can help people, but usually kind of more mm-hmm. on the negative side. And she yeah. features in a lot of uh, Russian slash Slavic fairy tales. Mm-hmm. And children fear her. And she's awesome. Yes. 
Yeah, so all of this is true. Um, she's a witch from Slavic folklore, and she appears in many, many folktales. And usually she has a kind of antagonistic or a morally ambiguous role, so maybe not 100% good, not 100% bad, but generally tending towards the bad side. Yeah. Um, she first appeared in the written word in 1755, but most likely existed in oral tradition before then. Um, and she's usually depicted as a large, ugly old woman. Sometimes she has iron teeth, so that's fun. Iron teeth and maybe claws. Um, She lives at a house on chicken legs, question mark. I've seen it said that it doesn't like specifically say chicken legs, but her house has legs and it walks around. So that's cute. Um, And she travels. She leaves her house during the day traveling in a mortar propelled by a pestle. And then there's also a broom sweeping away her tracks behind her. And But also, even though her house moves, sometimes it's surrounded by a gate covered in skulls and bones. Um, and the skulls' eyes light up um, at night. And she's said to eat children and adds their skulls to the gate around her house. So Classic children eater. Classic children eater. Um, I will say that a lot of these are honestly, um, like, can concurrent i think is the word i'm thinking of with um anti-semitic tropes and stereotypes and because this is a slavic legend and folklore anti-semitism is and has been a serious problem in that region in the past and i do think that's important to acknowledge and it's likely not a coincidence that she it's has likely not a coincidence that she, traits associated with her yeah that she is a witch that eats children um for more on that listen to our witches episode yeah, and that she's often depicted with a large hooked nose and things like that. Yeah. I do think it's interesting that she, her portrayal isn't always 100% evil, but, I mean, she is a witch that eats children, and I, there's just no way around that. That's an anti-Semitic trope. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's important to acknowledge. We're still going to talk about her story and be like, whoa, she's so awesome. But, like, she is, in at least yeah. in part, an anti-Semitic stereotype. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. So there's no conclusive origin for the name Baba Yaga. A quote from Andreas John's uh, book, Baba Yaga, the Ambiguous Mother and Witch of Russian Folktale, says that in Old Russian, the word Baba could refer to a midwife, sorceress, or fortune teller, and the standard modern Russian word for grandmother, babushka, is derived from it. Um, and Baba in modern Russian is also a pejorative term for woman. Meanwhile, the origin and meaning of Yaga is far more obscure and has inspired several different interpretations among linguists. So basically... We're pretty sure that Baba refers to some sort of female character, um, some sort of maybe witch or wise woman or elderly woman, uh, but no one really knows exactly what Yaga comes from. Interesting. Their suggestions for the meaning of Yaga include disease, illness, horror, chill, wicked wood nymph, witch, evil woman, rage, fury, anger, torture, pain and worry, serpent, snake, uncle's wife, stepmother, aunt, and mother. So awesome. whole range of things, whatever you want. However, Johns concludes that in spite of its obscure origins, Baba Yaga's name is well known throughout Russia. Like the word witch, Yaga was used by villagers as an unflattering designation for old, quarrelsome, and ugly woman. So it's kind of like hag, and I'm going to say, um, using my deep linguistic skills, Yaga kind of looks and sounds like hag. So you know what? That's my theory that I'm giving to you right now. Uh, <laughs> Awesome. Lizzie, who has um, a bachelor's in linguistics, is so, so happy. Um, <laughs> but anyways. I mean, I would dispute that if I were uh, 
being a proper linguist, but as a podcast host, I'm going to say, yeah, sounds great. <laughs> yeah, these two words sound alike, so they obviously mean the same thing. That has never let anyone down in the past. There's definitely not a linguistic term to refer to that thing, that <laughs> entire concept. Um, anyways, her name is generally translated as Grandmother Witch, although it's not like um, a direct translation. Like I mean, it works. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, sometimes she's referred to um, as like bony legs or the bony legged, which is interesting. So it is believed that she could be descended from an early Slavic death goddess called Yagaya Baba. She who is a goddess depicted as a frightening figure in an iron mortar throne with an iron pestle staff. Um, and people made blood sacrifices to her to appease her, believing that she would feed their sacrifices to her two granddaughters and that she herself enjoyed blood and violence. Um, and in some versions of stories that include Baba Yaga, she has daughters or sisters, and there's like multiple Baba Yagas, and they're like a type of of person as opposed to like a specific character. So like people would offer blood to her. They would make so to um the death goddess Yagaya Baba. Um, huh. They would and how how long ago was, was this attested? I don't know. Sorry, that would be good to know. Um, no, I'm just curious because, yeah. like, the whole idea of like making blood sacrifices to someone who then feeds it to her granddaughters does sound a little bit blood libel-y to me. But I don't know, like, the origins of this. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how long ago um, this this is from. Yeah. Then there's a scholar named Matthew Guthrie who offered the possibility that Baba Yaga is the Slavic equivalent of Persephone. Um, I don't know about that, Mr. Guthrie. Um, it sounds but, a bit of a reach. I mean, it's just because she doesn't have like the youthful spring association necessarily, as far as I'm aware. Um, other scholars believe that she might um, be some kind of personification of nature, and her ambivalent character represents how nature can be both cruel and kind, depending on circumstances. And still others believe that she might represent a plow that breaks the earth in order to allow for planting, fertilization, and agriculture. So there's some other... Um, I mean, this sort of shows something that could be slightly more connected to Persephone in the association with the harvest, with nature, um, and agriculture, but still like not quite the same as like Persephone, who has like a very specific story associated with her. And then... Scholar Vasily Levshin offers the devil as the reason for her origins, referencing a story in which he, the devil, wishing to create the most perfect essence of evil, cooked 12 nasty women together in a cauldron, and then he gathered the steam in his mouth and spat it back into the cauldron, and then this created Baba Yaga, the most perfect evil. That's awesome. Um, I love that. Yeah. It's so interesting that he was like, I want to create the essence of perfect evil. So he cooked 12 women in a <laughs> cauldron. But anyways, anyways. Yeah. So these are all different theories about her origins. Um, she is such a ubiquitous character in um, Slavic folklore that like, it's interesting to think about where she could have come from. I think that like the Slavic death goddess, we've got some repeated symbolism, such as the mortar and pestle um, and the like, you know, the blood thirstiness though i mean who's to say but yeah i mean she's a quite a powerful figure mm. and as i said before she is very much a, a significant figure in many slavic um, folk tales um possibly the most famous one is uh vasilisa the beautiful mm -hmm. which i'm not going to go into depth about because we actually tell about it in depth in our cinderella episode 
the episode oh, about yeah. the persecuted heroine. Um, so basically, but like basically, like it's a Cinderella story. Um, Vasilisa is um, the Cinderella character. She has a doll that helps, like, do chores for her. And then her evil stepmother sends her to the forest to, with hopes that she'll be like eaten by Baba Yaga. But she's able to do all the chores. Baba Yaga signs her um, with the help of her doll. And then Baba Yaga gives her a skull um, to take back to her family's house. And the skull ends up filling with light and burning the house down, including her stepmother and evil stepsisters. And then she goes to sew, like, cloth and sews cloth so nice that the the Tsar, like, becomes obsessed with it and then falls in love with her and they live happily ever after. So, yeah, that's that story. Anyways, another story that she is featured in is called Baba Yaga's Black Geese, and I'm just going to read a version of it that's uh, published on thestorymuseum.com, which says, Once upon a time, there were two children, Olga and Sergei. The children were warned not to play in the garden because Baba Yaga's black geese had recently been seen. Baba Yaga was the witch who lived in the deep dark woods and loved to eat children. But when Olga and Sergei's parents went to market to buy sugar buns for tea, the children went outside, and Sergei was kidnapped by three black geese and taken to the deep dark woods. Olga chased after the geese. She ran and ran and ran like the wind. And then there's a fish who calls her for help, and she stops to help the fish and gets a shell as a reward. And then she has to help a squirrel, and then she gets an acorn as a reward, and then she helps a mouse and gets a stone as a reward. And then she finds Baba Yaga's house on three legs and she rescues her brother. And then Baba Yaga wakes up and tries to chase them with her long bony arms and long bony legs. But she throws the shell over her shoulder and a lake appears. And then Baba Yaga drinks it. And then she throws the acorn over her shoulder and the forest appears. And then Baba Yaga eats her way through it. And then finally she throws a stone, the stone over her shoulder, and then the mountain appears. And Baba Yaga's stomach is so full of the lake and the trees that Baba Yaga couldn't eat it, and they get home safely. And that's the end of that story. Awesome. And she's thwarted another day. Yeah. Um, so in this story, you see a lot of really common recurring themes in Slavic folklore, which is mainly that, first of all, um, there's Baba Yaga. Second of all, these people are stopped to help creatures on the way to Baba Yaga's house and these creatures then help them later on this is like so common like I can't emphasize how common this is Uh, (laughs) this is like every this every story I read for this episode um the next story is called Maria Morevna yes Um, it's a very famous one oh so do you know this one I think it's the one where she gets kidnapped or Yes. Or coerced somehow into living with Koshe, the Deathless. Yes. And. Yes. And, well, do I, do you, should I tell everything that I know or should I just stop there? Um, I'll start telling it and we can, you can sort of chime in. How about okay. that? Okay. But yeah, so there's um, a Russian kingdom closer than you might think, according to the story <laughs> that I found. Um, but not that close because, yeah, there's no Tsar anymore. But anyways, um, there was a Tsar and a queen, their son Ivan, and their three daughters, Mar- Maria, Olga, and Anna. Um, and actually, Ivan Sarovich is a recurring character in Russian folklore yeah. and tales as well. He's in multiple Bobby Aga stories. 
too. Yes. He's sort of like the stock <laughs> prince hero character because his name is Ivan, which is like the most basic Russian name. It means like mm-hmm. John, basically. And then Sarovich is son of the Tsar, so he's like a prince. Oh, um, makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so anyways, he, Ivan is trying to find husbands for his sisters and these princes in the form of a falcon, uh, an eagle, and then finally a raven appear and marry all his sisters. And then Ivan's like, well, now I want to get married. So he sort of goes wandering. He leaves his kingdom um, because he can just do that in this story. And then he comes across a battlefield full of slain soldiers defeated by the armies of Maria Morevna. And he meets her in peace, stays with her for three days, and they fall deeply in love and they get married. And they live happily for many years until Maria tells Ivan that she must go into battle. And while she's gone, Ivan's in charge, but he must not enter the chamber at the tallest turret in the castle under any circumstances. Ooh, Blackbeard-esque. Yes, I was like, that sounds familiar. Love that. Uh, Love so Blackbeard. anyway, Bluebeard. I meant to say Bluebeard. Contradicts <laughs> what I just said. Bluebeard-esque. <laughs> uh-huh. Anyways, guess guess what he did. Guess what he did. Um, he went in it anyway. He got so curious. He had to go in. It's human nature. Listen to our Bluebeard episode. Yeah. Yeah. So when he entered the chamber, he found a giant lying chained to the floor and the giant was like, I'm starving. I need food and water. And Ivan was so nice that he took pity on him and gave him several pails of water. And then after the last one, the giant broke through the chains, stood up and revealed himself to not be any giant, but Koshe the Deathless, who was another famous character from Russian folklore. Yes. And he's Um, deathless because he cannot die. Or can he? Yes. He's like, well, you'll see ish. Um, and he told Ivan that he would never see his wife again, and then he kidnapped Maria and carried her away. And so Ivan went to go rescue her, um, and he ran in, and on the way he ran into his three sisters and their husbands and spent some time with them. He gave them each a silver spoon, fork, and tobacco box so they could keep track of his progress. And then he finally came across Koshe the Deathless's castle, tried to rescue him, but unfortunately he failed every... T- he tried to rescue his wife, but unfortunately failed every time because Koshe had magical horses that were so fast that he always chased down Ivan and caught him. Yeah. And then on Ivan's third failed attempt, Koshe cut him up into many pieces and threw him into the sea. But then his sisters and brother-in-law were able to find them, find him and revived him using the water of the dead, um, which is actually similar to a story in the Kalevala now that I think about it. But anyways, oh, um, <laughs> that's not that's not the point of this episode, but it is interesting. Um, anyways, finally, Ivan returns and he asks Maria where Koshe had gotten his magic horses and she says he had gotten them from Baba Yaga and helps him find his way to her house across a, a river of fire. Along the way, Ivan gets so very hungry, but even though he's so hungry, he does not eat birds, bee honey, or a lion cub that he comes across because they say they can help him later. Um, so he arrives at Baba Yaga's house, he's starving, but she offers him a full meal and then tells him to watch her horses. And if even one of them escapes, she will cut off his head and stick it on her gates. But if he succeeds, she'll help him. But of course, because she's Baba Yaga, she's kind of tricky and tries to get her horses to run far away so that Yvonne can't catch them. So first she sends them off into the far fields. However, then the birds come and chase them back into the into the fields so he can catch them. And then she tells them to run into the forest, but then the lion comes and chases them back. 
And then finally she tells them to run into the blue sea, but then the bees come and sting them, so they start running back. And then finally the bees are like, Ivan, just take one of Baba Yaga's colts and flee. And so he does. And then Baba Yaga chases after him, but then she falls into the river of fire and is never seen again, (gasps) which happens a lot. Um, (laughs) So it's not true, apparently, but like, you know. And then so finally, once he made it to the other side, the colt turned into a majestic steed and he rode it all the way to Koshai's castle to rescue his wife. And this time, when Koshay chased after them, the horse struck Koshay in the head and killed him. And then they lived happily ever after. The end. Wait, that's the end? Yeah. Is there, a, is there an alternate ending? Not in the version I looked at. Oh, because the one I know involves, like, Maria tr- tricking Koshay into thinking that she's falling in love with him so that oh. he will give up the secret of how to kill him that that she, that the that she then tells to Ivan. Mm. And um well I think that happens here and that she's like tell me where you got your horses and he's like I got them from Baba Yaga and she's like ooh okay. But and the one tells, I'm thinking of his like heart is it maybe like Let's locked? go on to the next story. Okay, it's like in a duck. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I know, I know, I know. We're getting... To, it's This is in the next story. Oh, got it, got it, um, okay. I found all these online. There obviously are variations. Um, but anyway, so the next one is called The Frog Princess. Notably, The Frog Princess, not The Frog Prince. Different story. Um, and it's ATU Type 402, which is an animal bride story, Ooh. which we talk about in the Crane Wife episode. Love animal brides. Um, and... Yes. So there once was a Tsar who had three sons, and one day he decided for them to marry, and so they all were supposed to shoot an arrow, and whichever girl caught their arrow was destined to be their bride. Um, So safe and normal. Uh, (laughs) um, So the oldest and middle sons found brides with their arrows, but the youngest son's arrow landed in a swamp. (laughs) And so he he spent three days tracking it down until he finally found a frog holding it in its mouth. And he almost ran away to shoot another arrow, but the frog begged him to take it with him. And he was really unhappy, but he he married that frog, according to custom. And so then the Tsar hadn't had enough with his sons getting married. He decided to test the lives of his sons, and he devised several competitions for them. The first one was who could bake the best bread. The second one was who could weave the finest carpet. And both times, Ivan wept out of shame for his frog wife, because he was like, my frog wife can't do that. It's so embarrassing. Um, But then she comforted him and told him everything would be okay. And then every night uh, after that, when he slept, she shed her skin and turned into a beautiful princess, Vasilisa the Wise. And she created the finest breads and the most beautiful carpets, and he won the competition. Awesome. And then so finally, the Tsar decided to test which wife was the finest dancer by holding a ball. And Yvonne again wept and was comforted. Um, And then... To his surprise and amazement, on the day of the ball, his wife did appear as a beautiful woman. She danced beautifully, she enchanted everyone, and he was so excited that he ran home and burned his wife's frog skin, hoping that she could remain a woman forever. Don't do um, that. However, when Vasilisa saw what he had done, she grew very sad and said to him, Oh, Ivan, you have no idea what you would have what you have done. If you had waited three more days, I would have been your real wife forever. But now I must go live as the prisoner of Koshe the Deathless. <gasps> and then she disappeared. Big mistake. Yeah. Huge. So Ivan was devastated, obviously. And so he became determined to find his wife. 
He traveled through the woods, he wore out several pairs of boots, and then he met a kind old man who gave him a ball of string to follow. Nice. Um, and then he came across a bear, a duck, a hare, and a fish, all of whom he almost killed for food, but then spared because they <laughs> promised to be of use to him one day. Awesome. Finally, the ball of yarn led him to Baba Yaga, and she asked him where he was going, and she told him the secret to Koshai the Deathless's immortality. And she said, I know where his death is hidden. It is on the point of the needle. The needle is in the duck's beak. The duck is inside the hair. The hair is inside the cast iron chest. And the chest is on top of the great old oak. Awesome. And so Ivan Tsarevich traveled to the great oak tree. And with the help of all the animals he spared, he was able to find Koshai's death and kill him. So, like, the bear toppled the oak. Like, the hare caught the other hare. The duck <laughs> caught the other duck. And then, like, then they broke the needle and then he was he died yeah and then he was reunited with his beautiful frog wife and they lived happily ever after the end awesome so yeah what are I, your I, thoughts so far i i love it my <laughs> i wonder how a duck is like inside of a hair i feel like a hair is Listen, it's not a, it's a fairy creature. tale i know but just interesting to think about i love fairy tales because mm. their their logic is like not there and it's just it's just whimsical you have to accept Mm -hmm. that it's about whimsy and not logic and i love that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. are there any fairy tales or folk tales where bobby yaga is the protagonist i don't think so i think it's interesting that like as like she's such a prolific character but like only as like the villain and occasionally like a Mm -hmm. a non-villain but like still a side character she clearly has fascinated the minds of slavic people Mm -hmm. for real yeah i think she's so interesting because like i um like you said she turns up all the time but she doesn't really have her own like stories she has like these um she has these little cameos that she appears in all the time but like we don't know anything about her like maybe she has daughters maybe she doesn't but like we don't know for sure if she uh if there's anything like like, what's her personal life? What does she like to do? I guess, like, mess around and eat kids. She you just know? amuses herself during the day by pranking people. Yeah, like, she's just having fun, I guess. Which is, um, which is fun. <laughs> I yeah, mean, she's, I like, mean, such a fun right. character because she's always doing such weird stuff and, like, causing problems. Yeah, and she's always, like, coming up with creative ways to mess with people. Exactly. One thing that I started thinking about, this is unrelated, this is kind of off topic, but one thing I started really reading about, thinking about when I was reading all these fairy tales, I read a lot of them. I didn't include all of them because I was like, this is essentially the same plot each time. There's so many threes. Like, the rule of three is really prevalent of, in, like, yeah. Slavic folktales. Like, yeah, it's but- prevalent in all folktales, but especially in Slavic folktales. Um, but, like, the way that the, all of these stories turn out is, like, they get this little magic gift... And that helps them. And that's the reason why they survive is because they have this magic gift that they can complete their quest. It's not out of like skill or whatever. It's because they get this little magic gift. And it's like, yeah, so they're just lucky. <laughs> is that yeah. it? Like, I don't know. That is. I Yeah. I, don't know. I mean, I guess that's kind of a fairy tale thing of like magical intervention. It's also um, like an, an Arthurian thing. You know, there's always like some sort of fair maiden who's giving the knight like the thing they need on their quest True. or whatever. True. <laughs> um, but yeah. 
it's yeah it's just interesting which i find fun as a reader because i just like i said i love the whimsy i love that it doesn't make sense and it's just fun yeah i feel like i just get frustrated because it's just so black and white but i guess you know that's that's the point right that's just the genre that's the nature of the medium it Um, is yeah so i chose these three stories because i think that they show um three different sides of baba yaga like the first one um, with the the black geese, Baba Yaga is pretty much just a boogie woman. She's completely evil. She's just chasing, kidnapping children in to eat. Um, and she's just like dangerous and scary. But then in Maria Morevna, um, she is a bit more complex, right? Uh, she's messing with Ivan. She is trying to set him up to fail. But, like, if people do, if he does, like, complete her tasks, like, ultimately, she does let him, like, get the thing that he wants. Mm-hmm. Sort of. I mean, she sort of, he gets what he needs from her and then runs away. And then she, I guess, dies. lets him go. Oh. Yeah. Dies, lets him go. Yeah. Um, And then in The Frog Princess, she is just completely helpful. She is the helper of the story. Um, She just straight up tells uh Yvonne in the story, like... Without having making him go uh, over undergo some sort of impossible task, like she's like, yeah, I'll tell you where his death is. Like here you go, here's that information yeah. you need. Yeah, she is helpful in that one. Yeah, and then in like Vesalisa the Beautiful, she's like, well, I've been trying to like kill you this entire time, but you're blessed by your mother, and I don't like blessed things. <laughs> so therefore, get out of here and take the skull with you, the thing that will actually free you from your abusive family. Yeah. So like kind of it's interesting. Nice. I, I think that shows a good range of like who she is as a character. Like she can either be completely evil and horrifying. She can be kind of like morally ambiguous in that like she she is trying to kill you, but like she might you might she might also give you the thing that she needs. It's the thing that you need for your quest. Or in this rare circumstance, she will just help you. And you know yeah. how. Yeah. She mm-hmm. just acts completely on her own whims. Yeah. Yeah. The role she takes really depends on the story. I mean, you could say it really depends on, like, what is necessary for the story, which is, like, fine. Because, again, it's the nature of the genre for um, things to just sort of change depending on what is needed for the story to reach its uh, ultimate conclusion. But um, Soviet folklorist and scholar Vladimir Prop. Um, has divided her into her characterization into three major types. There's Yaga, the giver, who supports the protagonist with necessary magical gifts. Yaga, the kidnapper, who steals and eats children. And then Yaga, the warrior, who attacks protagonists directly. Hmm. Um, So these are are sort of like three different types of who she is as a figure, which is interesting. Yeah, Um, yeah, I can see that. And then in her dissertation, Ancient Echoes, Baba Yaga and Contemporary Russian Literature, Galina Siarhaychik argues that regardless of the role that Baba Yaga plays in the story, she serves as a mediator of an initiation process, one that often leads heroes into a form of adulthood or other sense of maturity. And sort of like in that way, she serves less as an antagonist figure in a lot of stories, but more as a catalyst for change. A person that challenges the protagonist of the story to do what is necessary in order to change their life and complete whatever quest they are on. So, like, for example, Vasilisa the Beautiful, um, she gives the sc- her the skull of fire in order to burn down her house and get her free from her abusive family. Um, in Ivan, um, in Maria uh, Morevna, she... 
basically pushes Yvonne to the point where he has to steal the horse from her, and then the horse becomes the steed that he needs to escape from Colchet the Deathless. And then in the last story, she's kind of like, hey, here's the, here's the secret. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is less like, I guess, catalytic, but more... I mean, it is. She's like, here's the information, but yeah, she's like, like, less challenging. Yeah. So like... She's less of like a evil figure and more of like a challenger figure. Um, and so many scholars have compared her to other trickster figures found in mythology across the world, such as Loki from Norse mythology, Ashu from Yarbun mythology, and Coyote from Navajo mythology. Mm-hmm. Um, which is something I was thinking about when I was reading about her is that, you know, she is sort of a trickster figure in that she's she's just got that chaotic sort of morality where she's sort of just doing whatever she wants. Exactly. Sometimes she'll help you. Sometimes she won't. And it's never really about you. She's sort of doing what she wants in the moment. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so trickster figures are generally godly or supernatural figures who interfere with the lives of others, both human and divine for seemingly no reason. Um, And these interactions often encourage transformation by pushing people out of their comfort zone and allowing them to reach a more heightened state of awareness of the world. But also sometimes they just like to create chaos and it's not really for any deep or moral purpose. They're just like messing for chaos's for fun. sake. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. just like they mm-hmm. just want to have fun and do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. There's not necessarily a deeper yeah. reason. Exactly. And Carl Jung, a famous uh, psychologist, therapist guy. He, yeah, he's just who he is. Yeah, you know Carl Jung, <laughs> that guy believed that the trickster figure was a manifestation of the psychological archetype known as the shadow which represented the dark and unknown aspect of personality that is usually rejected or suppressed, only appearing in unconscious manifestations such as dreams to reflect what one fears and dislikes about oneself. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Quote, the trickster is a forerunner of the savior and like him, God, man, and animal at once. He is both subhuman and superhuman, a bestial and divine being whose chief and most alarming characteristic is his unconsciousness. Because of it, he is deserted by his evidently human companions who seems to indicate he has fallen below their level of consciousness. And, like, people have mixed feelings about Carl Jung. I bet, yeah. And I think that's fair. But this is from the era of um, folklore uh, analysis that is now kind of mostly discarded. Yeah. But that is interesting. I feel like Bobby Yaga does sort of fit into this, though. Like, she is both superhuman and subhuman. Like, she has the tendency to hunt each children, which sort of gives her, like, a more bestial, like, characterization. Yeah. You know, she's acting like a wild animal in that respect and she's outcast from society yeah yeah you know she lives alone Mm -hmm. um but she also has supernatural abilities she can perform magic she's seemingly ageless you know she yeah um she's always an old woman but she doesn't age beyond that and she's sort of there's no like baba yaga baba yaga when she was young it's like baba yaga she, she emerged as an old woman always um and she's ubiquitous and she appears everywhere mm hmm yeah, and she's rejecting social norms and living outside them very freely. You know, obviously the cannibalism is a big part of that. That's outside social norms. Mm-hmm. She's always very um, rude and coarse. Like, she doesn't care about customs and traditions. Yeah. Um, Even when she's not, like, directly engaging in cannibalism, when descriptions of her eating is very extravagant and extreme, she will eat like massive amounts of food at a time. So that's sort of beyond like what is generally expected of a female character. Um, and sort of also the like Russian um, idea specifically of the babushka who is always very caring, 
um, will fix all your problems, is like there to help you out no matter what. You know, she's she's not that. But also she sort of is because she's like a subversion of that because she does help people, but she does it in her own way. She's not kind, but she will help you if you pass her tests. Yeah. And I also think it's interesting that she is kind of all-knowing. And, like, even, Mm -hmm. like, she always has the secret to whatever it is that the protagonist wants to know or wants to know how to do. And even Koshe the Deathless, he cannot be killed, but Baba Yaga Mm -hmm. is the one person who knows how to kill him. So that kind of places her even above other scary villains, because she will always Mm -hmm. know the answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she has a sort of um, omniscient knowledge of the world in which these characters are living, um, and she can tell you exactly how to do things. Yeah, which is which is definitely deity like. Yeah. So in that way, yeah, I mean, she is like a god, and I mean, again, there's the theory that she's a character that sort of originated in a sort of divine death goddess form, and that fits too. And, like, as a representation of the shadow, she embodies traits that we often have but don't want to admit or acknowledge ourselves, such as selfishness, greed, violence, and envy. Um, but she also rejects the societal standards that make having such characters shameful and helps other characters in the stories do the same um, by forcing them to undergo transformation that allows them to embrace rather than repress the darkest parts of themselves. And then the heroes can complete their quests and undergo self-actualization. So, like, for example... In Vasilisa the Beautiful, she gives Vasilisa the skull, and the skull sets fire, kills her stepmother and stepsisters who have been trying to kill her and, like, preventing her from leaving. Yeah. She literally has the key to solve anyone's problems. Yeah. And, like, I think as, like, Haley mentioned in the episode where we talked about this story before, like... She gives, she doesn't necessarily give Vasilisa what she wants, but she gives her what she needs. And in that mm-hmm. situation, what she needs is a way to escape. And maybe in this circumstance, the only way she can really escape is through the death of her abusers. Yeah. And she gives her the tools to that. And she sort of puts Vasilisa on the path where she's able to do what is necessary in order to escape that life and make her own life, where eventually she becomes the Tsarina and like marries the Tsar and is very successful and happy and doesn't have to work anymore. Yeah. Um, and it turned out better than she would have hoped for. Yeah. And as opposed to like if she was by herself, like without Baba Yaga, like she might not have ever been able to do that. Yeah. So like in that way, even though she was an antagonistic figure to Vasilisa, she overall mm-hmm. did help her and made her yeah. life a lot better. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why Baba Yaga as a character is so popular, even today in pop culture, especially among like feminists in like women in feminist circles and women in general, is because she sort of represents that not caring and that ability to move beyond societal pressure and societal worries about what other people think of you mm-hmm. in order to like go forth and just do what you need to do in order to survive and be happy. And I think that's, like, what's really important. Um, And what is so popular about her is because she does not care. Also, the aesthetics. I think the aesthetics are awesome. Yeah, the iconography definitely (laughs) helps. I... Yeah. One of the reasons that I really like her is I think she's a really refreshing character. 
Like, mm-hmm. I know there's all these parallels we could draw to, like, other folkloric figures, but, like, in general, she is quite different to the folkloric figures mm-hmm. that we're used to. And I... yeah. I find her so interesting because she's so unique. Like she's like an old woman who's just like causing havoc and living in her little Mm -hmm. chicken leg house. I love that. Yeah. And like she is completely happy, it seems. Yeah, she does not care about anyone. She's happy to go off and by herself throughout the day doing whatever business on her mortar and pestle with her broom. And then she comes home at night and her like invisible servants are like, hand servants give her food <laughs> it's fa- and she's it's alone awesome. all the time yeah and she's happy and even when her plans are like thwarted she's obviously mad but it it that's it it's like just in the moment it doesn't last forever it sort of epitomizes what i feel like is a lot of the appeal of fairy tales like she mm-hmm. she's so interesting in a really unique way and she follows her own compass she doesn't care what anyone thinks she which is like like I was kind of saying before, like fairy tales don't operate on logic, and neither does Bobby mm-hmm. Yaga. She's a perfect mm-hmm. fairy tale antagonist, and you can see that by the fact that she appears in so many fairy tales with completely different characters, different storylines. People just love. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, we need a villain. Well, obviously, we'll just use Bobby Yaga because yeah. she's clearly or we need great. someone to make something happen. Yeah, and therefore we can. Pull out Baba Yaga. She's got the she's got the information. She's got the tools, and she will make this this quest happen. She has, and that's what we need. The it factor, yeah, exactly. So Baba Yaga has had a massive influence on popular culture for over a century. For example, the ninth movement of Modest Mussorgsky's 1874 Suite of Music Pictures at an Exhibition is titled "The Hut on Hen's Legs." Baba Yaga. Nice. And is inspired by a painting by Victor Hartmann. So even since 1874, she's been inspiring art um, and like popular music. Yeah. Basically. She's also appeared as either a named character or a character inspired by her in works such as Netflix's The Witcher, the 2019 Hellboy movie, and Ted Williams' epic fantasy Memory, Sorry, and Thorn trilogy. Oh. Mm-hmm. Which... I've never heard of it, but apparently is a thing, according to Wikipedia. She is apparently an inspiration for the character Yubaba and Spirited Away, as apparently a lot of old lady characters are. Such as Yamauba. Yeah. And her house with chicken's feet was an inspiration for the castle and Howl's Moving Castle. Oh! Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which you can, I think you can see when you look at it. You Moving know. Castle. It's like, yeah. yeah. It looks like it. And then finally, the titular character of the John Wick franchise, that is John Wick, is is referred to by many characters within the franchise as Baba Yaga, or, as it is translated, the Boogeyman, uh, which is really funny. It's not a good translation, uh, but I think it's really funny and it's really great. And I, I love that for her. I love that little shout out. Wait, so they call him Baba Yaga or they call him the Boogeyman? Well, so the thing about John Wick is that it's like sort of Russian mob related, right? And so a lot of the characters are like speaking in Russian. Oh. And they'll be like, they call him Baba Yaga. And it actually, but it says on the screen, like the subtitles are like the Boogeyman. Interesting. Um, okay. Which and, is and an you, interesting and you choice. you caught that little Russian scholar. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's really funny. 
um, because that's not what it means. Yeah. And I don't know. I think there's probably another boogeyman they could have chosen, but no, they chose Bobby Aga. So shout out. I to love her. that gender neutral um, Bobby Aga, and I love that. Yeah, gender neutral Bobby Aga. Also, like I love that John Wick is like has a woman as his like code name, sort of. I just think that's so fun. That's awesome. But anyways, anyways. Um, also, I think they like for the fourth movie. They just recently um, released like a poster that just says Baba Yaga on it, which is so funny. That is um, awesome. I love it. I love it. I love leaning into that bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, yeah, that's Baba Yaga. She's our bestie. We love her. Um, we want to have tea with her. And any last thoughts, Lizzie? I also think that she ha- is that she has a very popular hold in like like now like 2020s like girls who are into folklore like us you know what I mean there's lots of uh-huh. uh, like novel adaptations there's um this book that I want to read I don't remember exactly the is author. it ask, ask Baba Yaga yes yes ask Baba Yaga which I think is really fun and I've read bits of it but I haven't read the whole thing <laughs> and yeah she definitely like has I don't know if she's had like a resurgence or just she's always been popular and I just started paying attention but uh-huh. yeah I think she's quite popular even now and like even among non-Slavic people like I've seen so much art of her and it's awesome uh-huh yeah like on the Decemberist uh t-shirt for their most recent tour which I have um they have Bobby Aga's house on it and I think they kind of just chose it because they thought it would be fun more than anything like not because they thought that she would like um is like it's not she's not ref- referenced in any of their songs they I think they just thought it would be cute and fun it, is. it is cute and fun it's a great <laughs> shirt I love it I mean it's great iconography mm-hmm. and it shows how prolific she is yeah. like I bet about a lot of people can't name any other figures from Slavic folklore other than her Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love her and she's wonderful. She's very interesting. Yeah. I want her to be a protagonist of something. I want to know her story. Interesting. Yeah, we'd want to know her story. Okay, thank you for today's episode and happy birthday to Zoe. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Please feel free to subscribe, listen to our other episodes, leave a review, and we will see you again in two weeks. See ya. Bye. May the Ladies Podcast is produced, researched, and presented by Elizabeth LaCroix and Zoe Kenninger. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at MythaLadies and visit us on our website at MythaLadies.com. Our cover art is by Helena Cayo. Our music was written and performed by Icarus Tyree. Thanks for listening. See you in two weeks. <laughs>